My name's John Redman, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. If you have been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we have been studying through the Lord's Prayer, phrase by phrase, petition by petition. And today we come to the final uh, program on the Lord's Prayer as we'll be studying the very end of that prayer. And so if you've not been with us, if today's your first day to listen, no worries. I'll catch you up to speed. If you have been with us, I hope that some of the things that we'll be saying today will be a blessing to you and an encouragement. And I just hope that whether you've been hearing the other sermons or this is your first one on this uh, subject, that you would give strong consideration to making the Lord's Prayer part of your daily quiet time. You can probably pray it in less than 15 or 20 seconds 30 seconds if you really prayed it slowly, but it is the most beautiful prayer that has ever been recorded. It's a prayer that Jesus gave his disciples to pray, and uh, it's something that is in, covers so many different aspects of life that I think it's a good discipline just to memorize this prayer and to pray it back to God. And if you don't do it every day, at least occasionally, from time to time, I think we would do wise to get alone and to pray the Lord's Prayer. Now, just in case this is your first program on this uh, uh, Lord's Prayer subject, let me say that the prayer, when Jesus gave us the prayer, we start out by praying our Father in heaven. And so when we pray, we're, if we're saved, if we have Jesus Christ living in our hearts, we are praying not just to our Maker, not just to our Creator, but we're praying to our Father, someone who knows us personally, intimately, and well. And so we say, Our Father in heaven. And then after that uh, opening line of this prayer, there are six different petitions, six different requests. The first three have to do with the glory of God. The second three have to do with our basic human, spiritual, physical, and emotional needs. We begin the prayer after we say our Father in heaven by saying, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed just means to make holy, uh, to honor. In other words, we're saying, God, I pray that your name would be honored. And then we pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we pray that your kingdom come, we're praying uh, and we're anticipating the day when Jesus Christ returns to this earth and he sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem. And so when we pray your kingdom come, we're praying for the hastening of that day. And then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know that in heaven right now, God's will is being done perfectly. So when we pray that part of the prayer, we're saying, God, I pray in my life that your will would be done perfectly. And every aspect, every single part of my life would be according to your will. And then after we pray that prayer, there's a transition where we begin to uh, pray for our own needs. And the first one of those, the first part of that uh, section of the prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. And so we're asking God to give us what we need for each new day. Give us this day. We're not praying just... Uh, we're not praying at all, really, for tomorrow or the day after, but Lord, give us this day. Help us to live in the moment. And so we pray that. God, give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need. And then we pray, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so this is a, 
uh, an interesting part of the prayer because if you think about it, so many times when we forgive others, we forgive them uh, conditionally. We forgive them with strings attached. We forgive them, but we never really forget about it. We might pull it back one day and use their offense against them. And we know that's not the way that God would have us to forgive. In fact, when we pray to God, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we need to think long and hard about whether or not we really mean that. Because when God forgives us, he forgives us unconditionally. He forgives us immediately and completely. God never brings our old sins back up and throws them in our face. And so when we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, it is an incentive for us to forgive others in the same way that God has forgiven us. And then the part we're going to be studying today, it's found in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this part of the prayer is intriguing to me because when you first read it, do not lead us into temptation, you think, now God, why, why should I even pray that? We know from James chapter 1 and verse 13 that God would never tempt us to sin. And so why are we praying, do not lead us into temptation? Well, it is true. Anytime you're tempted to sin, that temptation did not come from God. God cannot be tempted uh, to sin, and God cannot and would never tempt anybody to sin. Temptation always comes from the devil. But we do know, experience tells us, and the Bible teaches us, that sometimes God allows us to be in situations and circumstances where we are indeed tempted in order that he might test us. Now, I want us to think about what I've just said. Sometimes God allows us to be in situations and circumstances where we are tempted, but God views that temptation as a test. God is not the one bringing about the temptation. That comes from the devil. But sometimes God lets us get tempted. He allows that. Back in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, we read how this happened in the life of Jesus. The Bible says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So the devil was the one who tempted Jesus to sin, but it was the Spirit of God who led Jesus into the wilderness where those temptations took place. And so from that, I say, sometimes God allows us to be in situations where we are tempted. God's not the one doing the tempting, but God always directing our steps, guiding our steps, sometimes providentially. He allows us to be in a place where we, get, where we do get tempted by the devil just to see how we will respond. And so what the devil views as a temptation, God views as a test, and God is looking to see, will we resist that temptation or will we give into it? And every time we resist it, every time we say no to temptation, we grow just a little bit in our relationship with God. And that's why sometimes he allows us to be tempted so that we can have that opportunity to grow, to say no to sin, to walk away from it, and to show uh, that our ultimate allegiance is to God himself. So what we're really praying when we pray and do not lead us into temptation, what we're really saying is, God, don't allow me to get in a situation like Jesus was in. Don't allow me to get out there in the wilderness 
all by myself, where the devil can come and tempt me. Jesus, of course, held up just fine. He, he never gave in to any of Satan's temptations, but we're not as strong as Jesus, and sometimes we do give in. And so when we pray this prayer, what we're saying is, God, keep me out of the wilderness. Keep me out of the desert. Keep me away from that temptable place where I might, in a weak moment, give in and do something that I would regret or do something that would hurt you, that would damage our relationship, that could hurt my witness. And so, God, please do not lead me into temptation. Don't lead me into a temptable position or a temptable place at all. Keep me far away from anything that could tempt me to sin. Now, when we think about uh, the wilderness or that place of temptation, we have to ask ourselves, what is it that the devil would tempt us to do? What, 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 what are his ways of, of tempting us? Well, I, I'm going to mention a few today. His, he tempts us in lots of different ways. The first way that I'm going to mention is a very broad and general way, but I think I need to say it. First of all, you need to understand in your life, the devil would love nothing more than to lure you into sin. He tempts us simply to sin. That could be the, a, a sin of immorality. It could be a sin of dishonesty. It could be a sin of uh, hatred and unforgiveness. It could, lots of different sins that uh, the devil tempts us to sin. And You know, sometimes I think we look at other people's lives, and it just seems like in the world in which we're living now, you come home from work at night, and you turn on the television, and you see... Somebody has allegedly committed some sin, and maybe they've lost their job, and uh, it's just so sad. And I think if we're not careful, we can begin, become critical or even judgmental of someone who has done something, uh, if, it's in, if the accusation is true, that that is itself a terrible and a horrible sin. But I want to encourage you today, don't ever look at somebody else's you know, really bad public sin and have the idea that you would never under any circumstances commit that sin. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 12, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And so the moment that you say to yourself, I would never commit that sin, brother, you may be careful. You may be the next one to fall. You may be the next one to do it. Adrian Rogers, who is in heaven now, a godly pastor, when he was a young man in the ministry, he used to have a little plaque on his desk, a little memento, and it said this, he who would not fall must stay away from slippery places. He who would not fall must stay away from slippery places. And so sometime when it comes to some of these temptations, I guess it's just our human nature. We want to see how close we can get to the cliff without falling over. But that is a dangerous thing, and that's what that saying is so good. Hey, if you, want, if you don't want to fall, stay away from the slippery places. Stay off the ice. And so really when we pray to God, do not lead us into temptation. What we're really saying is, God, keep me off the ice. Keep me far from the cliff. Keep me away from anything that could ever tempt me to sin. Because in a weak moment... Uh, we never know what we might do. And then, not only does he tempt us to sin in one of those ways, but sometimes the devil tempts us to strive to make a name for ourselves, to strive to make a name for ourselves. One of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Old Testament is in the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 45, and in verse number 45. And in this particular passage of Scripture, 
God was uh, speaking through one man to another man, and here was the question. The question really originated from God, and it said this, do you seek great things for yourself? And then it says after that question, seek them not. Do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. And yet, I guess it's our human nature. It's our pride. It's our ego. It is our desire to be known. It is our desire to be successful. In some cases, it is a desire to be famous and to be great. I'm not saying we shouldn't strive to do great things. We should strive to do great things, but we should not strive to make a name for ourselves. It's almost like we should strive uh, to do something great or to help others, but to do it anonymously and to do it in such a way where we ourselves don't become the center and the focus of attention. I was reading a scripture verse just a few days ago that I had never really paid much attention to in the book of Romans in chapter number 12 and in verse number 16, Romans 12, 16. And Paul said in that verse, do not set your mind on high things. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. And when I read that, it was like it gripped me. It was like God said to me, John, you need to remember that in your life. Don't don't ever set your mind on, on high things. We should not have a goal in life to be famous, to be known, to achieve to a particular status, uh, recognition. All those things are pride. All those things are detestable in the eyes of God. And this is why John the Baptist prayed, he, speaking of Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. But I'm afraid too many times in our hearts, we're wanting to increase. We're wanting to be known. We're wanting to be recognized. We're wanting somebody to pay attention to us. And I even think, you know, if you're on Twitter, I follow people on Twitter. Uh, you learn a lot of things about people. But I think even if you have a, uh, if, if people are following you on Twitter, you have to be careful that you're not using that device just to draw attention to yourself or just to say, hey, somebody notice me. Look at what I did. If you're going to do something like that, I mean, I'm not telling, I'm not saying it's wrong to, here's what I did today, or here's my, me and my family, or here's something I'm in. I'm not saying that's wrong at all. It's not. But I'm saying really, as Christians, whether it's on Twitter or any other way, our message should never be, look at me. Our message should be, look to God, look away to Him. And the focus, we should do everything we can to put the focus on Jesus Christ and not put the focus on ourselves. Remember what it says in Proverbs, pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You take that word pride, P-R-I-D-E, right in the middle of it is that letter I. And that's what's at the heart of pride. I, me, look, pay attention, somebody notice me. And the devil would love nothing more than to trip us up by causing us to spend our lives striving to make a name for ourselves. Don't do it. Resist that temptation. And then sometimes the devil just tempts us to be stressed out and to be worried and to be anxious. And I think this is a real problem. I love that verse in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 where the Bible says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And so we all have cares. We worry about our, our health, our finances, our families, our, our future, our jobs. We worry about a lot of things. And, but the Bible says, really, you, you shouldn't worry about those things. You should take those things that you care about and you should cast those cares on to God. Give those cares to God. And it's almost like you would say to God, God, I, I do care about my health. 
I care about my family. I care about my finances and my future and my job. God, there are certain things I care about. I care about what people think about me, even though I shouldn't care. It's just I do. I want people to think well of me, and I sometimes wonder and worry, what do people think? God, I care about a lot of things, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to cast those cares on you. Because, God, even though there are a lot of things in life I care about, the fact is I cannot carry those cares with me through life. And so instead of carrying those cares, what I'm going to do is to cast those cares on you because you care for me and you can carry them a lot better than I do. But I think stress is one of the devil's things to get us to worry. All of us would recognize that immorality and dishonesty and stealing and lying and gossiping, we know those things are sin. Even pride and striving to make a name for I think we know that's wrong. But when it comes to this matter of worry and stress and holding on to things, I don't think we typically identify that as a sin. And yet it is a sin, and it can be very detrimental. And so I would encourage you, cast your cares on God. Yes, you care about certain things, but you cannot carry those things with you. You're going to be a prisoner, like you're carrying a weight with you through life. And so cast those cares upon God. What did Jesus say in the last part of this prayer? He said that we're supposed to pray, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So the second part of that petition kind of is just a different way of saying the first one. God, deliver me from the devil. That word deliver has with it the idea of rescue. God knows how to rescue his children. All through the Bible, we see God rescuing his children from the devil and different things the devil would try to do. Sometimes God rescues us supernaturally. He just shows up or he tells us uh, what to do or he just kind of like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in that fiery furnace and Jesus Christ made an Old Testament appearance. It was a theophany. He showed up. He was the fourth man in that fiery furnace, and he rescued those three young Hebrew boys, and they weren't burned at all. They weren't harmed at all. He just supernaturally delivered them from the devil, really. But sometimes when God rescues us and when he delivers us, he doesn't do it supernaturally. He does it practically. In other words, he will tell us something that we need to do so that we can get out of Dodge and we can get away from the place of temptation. I think about Joseph in the Old Testament. For many days, he was seduced by Potiphar's wife. She wanted to have an affair with him, and she just uh, continued to seduce him and to try to lure him uh, to commit that horrible uh, sin. And finally, Joseph just said to her, I cannot commit this sin Uh, against God. I can't do this. And Joseph just turned and ran away. He ran out the door. And sometimes that's what we have to do when we're tempted. We have to run. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, we read that when we're tempted, God always provides a way of escape. He provides a way out so that we don't have to stay in that temptation. We can always leave. Maybe at a movie at a movie, and the movie gets bad. You think, man, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Sometimes the best thing to do is leave. Or maybe sometime you're watching something at home on your television and you it gets bad. Either the language is bad or the, the 
the movie itself gets bad, and you just have to turn it off, change the channel. So God will always provide the way of escape. Sometimes we have to just walk away from temptable situations lest we give in and lest we sin. And so that's what Jesus had all that in mind when he said, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us, rescue us from the evil one. And then the prayer ends by saying, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's almost like that doxology, that benediction there at the end kind of gives us the motivation for praying this prayer. In other words, we're saying, Lord, the reason I'm praying all these things, that your name would be hallowed and honored, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done, that I would have what I need for this particular day, and that you would forgive me like I forgive others, and that you would not lead me into temptation, you'd deliver me from the evil one. God, the reason I'm praying all this is so that your kingdom and your power and your glory would be uh, honored through my life. And so that thing there, that the, the benediction of this prayer kind of gives us the why for why we should pray this. And so I just hope that at least some of the things that I have said over the either in today's program or over the last several weeks will be a blessing to you and that it will give you a new love and a new appreciation for the Lord's Prayer. Now, I don't know where you might be listening to this today. If you're if you're driving a car or if you're home or if you're in a hospital or if you're in a jail or wherever you might be. But as we come towards the end of the program today, I want us just to pray this prayer together out loud. Now, I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes open so that uh, I'll be sure not to misquote any of this prayer. But wherever you are today, I just would encourage you to uh, pray this prayer with me. And as we go through each line of the Lord's Prayer, Let's see if maybe some of the things that we have learned the last few weeks won't come back to our mind and we'll have a deeper appreciation for it. Okay, are you ready? If you're driving, you be sure to keep your eyes open too. I'm keeping my eyes open because I want to read it out of the Bible, so I'll be sure to get it just right. Here's, here we go. We're praying it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And friend, I pray that that prayer will be a blessing to you in the days and the weeks and even in the years ahead. I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And as we come to the end of this program, and as we come to the end of our study of the Lord's Prayer, let me ask you a question. Can you honestly pray the opening line of the Lord's Prayer? Can you truly say, Our Father in heaven? I guess what I'm asking you today is, is God your Father have you ever been saved? Have you ever received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? And if you haven't, or if you're just not sure about that, I want to lead you in a prayer today that you can pray right now, wherever you are. And the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you mean it, uh, this prayer, this sinner's prayer, God will save you. Jesus will come to live in your heart. And then God will become not only your creator and maker, but God will become your father. Just pray this prayer. Repeat it after me wherever you might be if you want to be saved. Just say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned and I'm sorry for everything I've done wrong. I ask you, God, to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me 
and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Thank you that you'll never leave me. Thank you now that God is my Father and that Christ is my Savior. Begin now to make me the person you want me to be. In your name I pray. Amen. And friend, if you pray that prayer right now, I'm telling you on the authority of God's Word, He has heard it. He has answered it. Jesus has forgiven your sins. In the person of the Holy Spirit, He has come to live in your heart, and He will never leave you, and He will never, ever, ever forsake you. I would encourage you this week to all our listeners out there, if you have just a few minutes, visit our website at peacebybelieving.org, peacebybelieving.org. We have some very helpful resources on there that I think will be a blessing to you. We have many archived sermons on lots of different topics and categories, and then we have lots of booklets that you'll find that have been written on a wide array of topics. You can just read those booklets right there on your computer, right there on your phone. They're not all that long. Most of them are about 45 pages. Some are a little bit shorter, and you can read it in a half hour, but I think it'll be a blessing. And then I would encourage you to contact us this week. Let us know where you're listening from. Let us know if you have a prayer request. We'd love to pray for you. We want to thank you for listening today. I hope you will have a great week.